You're listening to the Whitewater Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Whitewater is doing, you can go to whitewaterchurch.org give. Let's dive into this week's message together. We've been in the series called Brighter, Not Bitter. And we're going to be looking at, I, th- I think, a really important concept that Paul talks about, which is where do Christians find their citizenship? Where do we find our home? And it's so easy to forget where we're from. It's so easy to forget like where your passport is and be like, what, what's going on? Where am, I, where am I headed? Where am I going? And Paul reminds us in the passage we're going to be looking at of who we are, where our home country is, and what the freedoms are, what the responsibilities are of being a kingdom citizen, a Jesus person. And I'm so excited to cover that. So let's jump into it. Paul writes this in chapter 3, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. We look forward to a Savior that comes from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform our humble bodies so that they are like his glorious body by the power that also makes him able to subject all things to himself. So the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that makes Jesus king is the power that resurrects us. It's the power that enables us to live a kingdom life here and now. Now, I just want to give a little bit of context to that passage of scripture. We're going to use that passage about being citizens of God's kingdom We're going to use that as a platform and really kind of look at a few other threads that go throughout Paul's letter to the Philippians. We're going to really kind of tie things up um, with, I think, a grand vision that Paul's giving the church of Philippi. And through this Philippian church, he's giving a vision of God's kingdom in our life, in our day and age, here and now. So the picture of Philippi, this Roman outpost in northern Greece, I'll just give a little bit of context here. This little colony... Uh, was a Roman colony. Paul was playing off this cultural reality that this Roman colony in this Greek world was, you know, had been tasked with the responsibility of bringing like Roman culture, order, rule to Northern Greece. And he was saying in that same way that the colony of Rome was supposed to like bring Roman culture to this other world, Christian people, Christ followers, in the same way, Jesus followers are to be a colony of heaven in this world that we live in, whatever culture we might find ourselves in, whether you're living in, you know, the USA or some culture with, you know, within the USA or Canada, or you're living, you know, in China or Africa or South America, wherever you find yourself, we're supposed to be creating this colony of heaven as citizens of heaven here on earth. And if we're a citizen of heaven, then we also become ambassadors of heaven with the responsibility of bringing the life, the order, the rule, and the culture of heaven to to the earth's reality. You know, this reminds me of Jesus' prayer, often known as the Lord's Prayer. And in in that prayer, there's a section where he says, on earth as it is in heaven. He says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means that we are citizens of hope, citizens of heaven and ambassadors of heaven. We're trying to bring heaven to earth, to our lives, to our jobs, to our neighborhoods, to our friendships, to our families, to the sticky and messy situations of life. We're doing our best to bring heaven and also recognize where God's heavenly work is already happening. So what this means is that we're living lives of the future in the present. 
It might be it sound a little weird, but that means we're following King Jesus, bringing heaven that we are looking forward to God's heavenly goodness and reign and kingdom, like where all the things that God wants are happening. We're bringing that future heaven to our present earth now. Another way of saying that is, is that we're pulling God's beautiful future into our broken now. C.S. Lewis said this, if you read history, you're going to find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next world. He said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim only at earth and you'll get neither. Paul says in the same letter to the Philippian church, and I think he says this to us today, he, he wants this so that we become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You know, God wants us to, he wants us to shine like stars in the brokenness, in the darkness of our world. And one of the keys to this is Paul showing us is remembering who we are, remembering where our our spiritual passport is, that we are citizens of heaven and ambassadors of heaven. You know, living in another culture, you can easily forget your true citizenship. You can forget your culture. You can forget the language, you know, and you forget what kingdom you belong to. It's kind of like forgetting your passport when you're on a trip and there's this moment of fear and anxiety or, or just or forgetting those, those pieces to who you really are and who you belong to. We can, become, we can become more afraid of the world we live in sometimes when we forget where our citizenship is. We can become more afraid of like the world. We can be more afraid of like hell and hell on earth then we are excited about heaven. Then we are excited about what God's doing in our present and what he's going to be doing in our tomorrow. We worry about protecting our homes, protecting our our lives, worry about like our tribe, kind of protecting our tribe. Sometimes we even worry about protecting God from all the bad people out there. Forget that God can take care of himself and that like our job is to live in a way that Jesus lived, not protect Jesus from the world that he came and gave his life for. You know, the concept of being citizens of heaven and ambassadors of heaven, I think is important. And citizenship and ambassadorship, if we could call it that, kind of come down to allegiance and advocacy, at least for me. When I think of citizenship, I think of where is my allegiance? Is my allegiance as a Christian, my highest allegiance to Jesus and to the, the cross and resurrection, the power of God? Or is my allegiance to, you know, power, money, to a political party, to a flag? And don't get me wrong, like politics can be helpful and money can be helpful. And, you know, I'm not, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that money is bad into itself or, you know, politics is totally bad or, you know, there's some great things that can happen to, you know, money, uh, people like really buying into something that's important to them politically and, in a, in a good and loving way. And by all means, love your country. Be a patriot. Just don't love your country, love your money, love your power, love your politics more than Jesus. And listen to the voices from that more than you listen to the voice of Jesus. That's when, when our allegiance gets kind of mismanaged or divided. That's when it goes wrong. And Jesus makes it really clear in his teachings. You know, you can't serve God and money. You can replace that with any. You can't serve God and this, God and that. We can't have divided, like a divided heart and say, I'm going to serve both these things equally. Like, there's always going to be something that wins out. And allegiance, again, comes down to what's the primary voice that's speaking into your decisions, primary lens by which you see things. And and I think if our allegiance is with Jesus, he becomes the lens, the filter, the voice that we're, we're, we're listening to as primary. 
And all those other things are in submission to that. Advocacy, when it comes to being an ambassador, we become advocates. What are we advocating for? And this is where you can really see where someone's allegiance is, where you can see where my allegiance really is, is what am I advocating for with my life? What do I live my life for? If you were to look at my actions, if you were to look at where I spend my dollars, my energy, my time, you know, my talent, when you just look at my life, what does it say I'm advocating for? Paul is really challenging all of us to look at our lives and say, hey, am I living in a way that like is bringing heaven to earth and that people can actively see that, that I'm not putting other things ahead of Christ. I'm not putting other agendas ahead of Jesus' agenda. And I'm submitting to that even when it's hard sometimes, even when I'm angry, even when like my emotions, like my anxieties and my worries are telling me otherwise, can I put the agenda of Jesus first and can I advocate for my true allegiance to him. We live in a world where people live according to selfishness and fear and hopelessness as citizens in a kingdom that sometimes is very dark or unclear and broken. As citizens of heaven and the kingdom of light, we're here to be conformed to the pattern of Jesus, to build a world of faith and love and hope in the resurrection power of Jesus. When the pandemic hit several years ago now, I remember preaching portions of this sermon, and I I think it's important to kind of look back and remember where we've been and to kind of anchor ourselves in saying, hey, there's certain things that do change and we're adapting, but there's some things that don't change. And I want to talk to you guys about some of the things that don't change about who we are, even in the middle of the pandemic, whether we're going into one, we're in the middle of one, we're headed out of one, or any other crisis. Like there's things that we're called to be as citizens and ambassadors, no matter what. Since the beginning of the pandemic, we've been saying the church was made for this, not to be afraid of this in times like this. You know, think about the challenges that the church has been facing the last two years that Christians have faced in the polarized world with all the cultural convulsions, all the anger, all the angst, all the misplaced grief. How would you describe the different reactions of fear that you've seen in the world? Have you noticed the impact of your faith in the midst of that? Like, How have you influenced the fear and the polarization with your own life? And then I would extend that to say, well, man, what impact has the church had and can the church have in a polarized, convulsing, crazy world right now when we are living heaven right now? We have to understand that heaven isn't something that we're waiting for when we die. Like, oh, I can't wait to just escape this world. Like, no, we get like we're living in this present time, heaven right now. The kingdom is now. When we understand that God's kingdom is is like sprouting up all around us and we can be part of that. It like changes everything. We see the world differently. We act differently. Like we're engaged in helping serve and transform our world. I want to read a quote to you. For Christians cannot be distinguished from the rest of the human race by country or language or customs. They live in their own countries, but only as aliens. They busy themselves on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. But the soul is to the body. That's what Christians are in the world. The soul is dispersed through all the members of the body, and Christians are scattered through all the cities of the world. That was written sometime around 140 AD in an anonymous letter to to a governor at that time. The early church knew where their citizenship was. 
They knew they were ambassadors of heaven. And look what happened. They were, as the soul is to the body, the Christians were in the world. They were scattered as agents of, of service and transformation and love in some really hard times during pandemics, plagues, wars. It's amazing what the early church did. And I, if we can capture some of that imagination, like it changes our communities. It just does. Imagine how many leaders that we have scattered throughout the world right now as a church. And whether you're watching online or you join us in person, think about the leaders and the, you know, and the Christians that are, that are joining us right now. Imagine where they are most of their week, scattered in hospitals, schools, businesses, you know, maybe government job. You know, our role as Christians that are dispersed or scattered or sent to all these different places of our community and our world, we're to be stewards of the people and resources in those places. And we're supposed to be agents of transformation, influencing and serving in the name of Jesus. This is why the vision here at Whitewater, as a sent and scattered church, not only a church that gathers on Sunday, but a church that is sent to be a blessing, is sent to serve their world, is so important. If that isn't our vision, instead of serving a hurting and scared and broken world together, as ambassadors, we're, we're going to start focusing on ourselves and serving ourselves and, and maybe just making people feel comfortable on Sundays. Don't get me wrong. I want us to gather and I want to worship and I want to connect. And that's so important to the body life of a church. But if that's all it is, we're going to lose like our missional edge, our impact and our influence in culture and we'll become an enclave. It's kind of like my daughter who had her birthday all planned and you know, then a snowstorm came and, you know, were we just going to like close up shop and say, well, we, since we can't, you know, gather or do things the way we want, we're not going to, we're not going to do anything. Well, no, we, we went and played in the snow and that became the birthday party. The church gathers to scatter and gathers to scatter. And why, why do we say like, you can belong before you believe and you can belong as you believe. And that's the gathering part, like this belonging and belonging to God and to each other. But then when we, when we get up out of our seats or you get off, off, off your couch or, you know, you, whatever you're doing. Doing on a Sunday morning as a gathered church, we get up and then we are sent to bless or we go and we become love to our world. I love that vision. We, I don't ever want to lose, lose sight of that. We shortchange the gospel and the mission of Jesus if we think that the gatherings are just about us. We are being used by God in all of our strengths and our gifts and even our weaknesses and limitations to bless the world so that our communities flourish. The image we always come back to is like, you know, think of the, our church like a, a, a big reservoir of water that releases a powerful river that maybe turns into other rivers that brings life-giving water to the valley below. There is latent power and gifting and calling and passion within our church. There are gifts that need to be discovered within our church that God wants to use, not just for you. Your gift is given to you to serve others. And God wants to take our church and not have it just be a reservoir that, that doesn't have any outflow. And, because a, a reservoir that has no outflow just becomes stagnant. It becomes unhealthy. But a, a healthy reservoir releases a, a healthy and powerful river into the community. And every week we get up, we leave those pews, those seats, those couches, wherever you may be. We become that river of blessing. And there needs to be a rhythm where there's intake, you know, and we're kind of like receiving God's love and, and all the, and just dwelling on heavenly 
things, like thinking about the high things of God and praising Him and being grateful for all He's doing. But then there's a time where we got to like go bring that heaven and take it from our hearts and put it in our hands and, and put that to work. Jesus has sent us to bless a broken world. So let's get really practical. How does Paul teach his church to be that reservoir that becomes a river of blessing, that colony or city of heaven in the middle of a dark world? How do we, how do, we do that? I want to bring us to that point where Paul has he's already kind of explained this a little bit, how, the, how we change our world, how we transform our world. And it's unsurprisingly in a Jesus-centered way. Listen to this from Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Don't do anything only to get ahead. Don't do it because you're proud. Instead, be humble. Value others more than yourselves. This is how we change the world. Humility, valuing others more than ourselves. Verse 4 says, none of you should look out just for your own good. Each of you should also look out for the good of others. Don't just demand your personal liberty at the expense of others. Use your liberty to serve and love others. Verse 5, as you deal with one another, you should think and act as Jesus did. Boy, what if we just, like, what if that's what we just thought about every day? Like, have the, the mindset of Christ. In verse 6, it says, in his very nature, he was God. Jesus was equal with God. But Jesus didn't take advantage of that fact. Instead, this is how God changed the world. Instead, Jesus made himself nothing. And he did this by taking on the nature of a servant. You know, we live in a, in a, in a mad world sometimes. And, and it's, I think there's different approaches to culture. And, and sometimes if you were to boil it down, the church could kind of approach culture like with, we condone culture or we're with culture and kind of just go with the flow. Uh, maybe a tr- uh, approach of a church might be, we're going to be totally against culture and condemn culture. And that's, you'll see some people hide from culture or just like railing against it, you know, with that approach. Jesus offers us a third way, not to just condone culture or condemn culture, but to compassionately serve culture. And sometimes that means we creatively do stand with the culture and affirm the good grace of God. Even if it's a, you know, there's someone who's not a Christian or it's not like technically a Christian organization, but we can, we can affirm where God's grace is at work. And then sometimes we, we do stand against things that are standing in opposition to God's design. But we do that restoratively. We do that with love and truth. And so both these approaches are within the context as a compassionate servant of the culture. I just want to make sure that it's really clear that how we approach culture is within the context of the compassionate service of Jesus. Here's a few quick snapshots of this type of compassionate service to the world that we can learn from the ancient church. Lewis Mumford noted this in the first century, that instead of escaping the ugly realities of their time, the Christians embraced them by doing willingly what the pagan non-believers diligently avoided. They both neutralized and in some measure overcame the forces that threatened them. Christians visited the sick. Christians comforted the widow and the orphan. Christians redeemed the disgraces of starvation, sickness, and squalor by making them an opportunity for fellowship and love, or another way of saying it, making an opportunity for compassionate service. You know, you can see examples like this all throughout 
the history of the church. I'll give you one more. Ray Bakke notes that during the, the second century, the church grew and spread in Egypt. It grew because female leaders and deacons in cities in Egypt went up and down the streets collecting unwanted babies abandoned in the night. This was a common and ancient form of infanticide. Now, often in public squares under the pagan idols and statues, these incredible church women provided nursing mothers who would nurse the abandoned children, bathe them, raise them. The early church of Egypt responded to this crisis by developing a seek and save baby ministry. Like, that's incredible. Rather than just railing against the culture or running away from culture, they served and showed a different way, a better way, the Jesus way. What the soul is to the body, that's what Christians are in the world. You know, we want to be a church that, that gathers to celebrate all that God is doing, to fill up, you know, the reservoir of our souls so that we can be sent out to do the things Jesus did, to love the people Jesus loved. And I want you to embrace this vision for your life. Don't settle for a, a small vision of what the church is. It's just like something that you do for an hour on Sunday. Or like if, you know, we're going through a pandemic and you're unable to meet on a Sunday, you know, because of sickness or because, you know, for health reasons, the community is not doing that. Yet don't shrink God's vision to the church for like to that. Because then, then, well, then you're going to have to fight for this one hour that you can't be together when we were made to be the soul of the cities that we live in. We were made to be a reservoir that releases rivers of blessing. And I, we will be remembered through hard times. That's just a fact. You know, people will remember, our communities will remember us. Will they remember us as a church, you and me as individuals, as people who served when other people were running away, people who served when everybody else was criticizing, people who served when everyone was criticizing, dividing, and, and running away from each other or running at each other in anger? Were we people who did the things that Jesus did and loved the way he loved? I want to encourage you, friends, let's be brighter and not bitter, and let's be brighter together, and let's be that reservoir that God releases a powerful river of blessing into our culture and our communities. I'm going to take a moment and just pray for you, the scattered church, from your Monday to Saturday, when you're working, when you're in your homes, when you're, in, when you're playing and you're resting, that God would use you as a servant that transforms your world. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for my friends. I want to pray for your people. Lord, you have called and sent each of us to specific places in our life, Lord. And I want to pray for that right now. Would you use these people to bless their world, bless them and those who are in the financial world, those who are teachers and are in the teaching and education world, those in the business and marketplace world, governance, craftsmen and women, those who are home builders, those who are in the nonprofit world. Would you use their lives, use them as agents of reconciliation and transformation, and may they be love to their world. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I love you so much. See you next week. Thanks again for listening with us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Whitewater Church, reach out at info at whitewaterchurch.org or click contact in our show notes. 
And if you'd like to get involved in what Whitewater's doing to bless our communities, you can go to whitewaterchurch.org give. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.